Warning, this podcast will try to make sense of boy bonking and why all of boys' love is beautiful, even when most of fandom think 90% of it is crap. The George Cast hopes to discourage elitism in fandom and wishes everyone to embrace the diversity of our interests. Hi everyone, happy Oidohi! And um, welcome to this edition, the 801 edition of the Georgia Cast. And I'm Kirsten, and we're celebrating Boys Love this week in Otaku Champlu. It's Yooinohi after all, 801, and so this entire August, I'm spending the entire time just talking about BL. What's new, right? And um, as an homage to the genre that we love, this show is all about beautiful things in boys love manga. Now, this conversation was initiated by two things. First was a website that campaigned the pro- proper handling of the licensing of Saizuru Toriwa Habatakanai by um, Yonedeko. And I admired the passion that came with this campaign, but at the same time, part of me wondered, why did this happen only with Saizuru? What made Saizuru special? So the second aspect of this podcast coincided with a book I was reading for my studies. The name of the book is Beautiful Things in Popular Culture by Alan McKee. This book is a collection of essays from various academics who try to identify the various factors on why particular things in popular culture are beautiful. This book is trying to dispel this idea that popular culture is dumb and that it lacks critical thought and that we, the people who consume it, are drones of capitalism. And McKee invited the likes of Henry Jenkins to talk about, for example, why Brian Michael Bendis is the best contemporary comic book writer of this time, or even why Kylie Minogue is like the best pop princess ever. And, you know, the reasons and the exercise of the entire thing was really amazing. And while reading through the book, I was trying to wonder if there is such a thing for boys love manga, do we have the same evaluative systems? I mean, we've all seen how it goes in any anime forum and community out there where you have people constantly dissing boys love as this lowbrow genre you know it's all just sex and all just boys all that jazz and that is nothing but just two guys fucking and it's just a woman's fantasy and unintelligent and all of that hence i invited two of my friends to go through the same exercise that alan mckee asked from his contributors prior to this recording i asked my friends what makes bl beautiful and who do they think of when they think of beautiful bl so with me today are two of my awesome friends in bl coming back for a second time is erin um she's a video game reviewer and more by day and a wind chime vendor and harbinger of tears on occasion at night so hi erin Hi, and I'm also happy to have Amy here with us as well. Amy is the owner of the website Hazukashi Kedo, and it reviews um, BL manga from time to time. And she's also she's always been a fervent BL fan, and um, I'm happy to know her as well. So hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. So um, let's get things started. Is there such a thing as a good BL, ladies? Aaron, maybe? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, let's start with Aaron. Yeah, you go first, because you've, you've been doing BL for so much longer than I have, so I think you need to take the stage first. Who? Oh, uh, uh, Amy, go ahead. Um, well, the ones that I wrote down were particularly books by Hirakita Yuya. Mm. Um, Hirakita Yuya, just for some of our listeners, um, what works of Hirakita Yuya would you think best encapsulate that? Or at least among her works, which ones are your favorite? Uh, Oh, God, it's hard to pick just one. Or maybe two, three? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe all of them. Um, Really, the first one I read by her was um, Mirakita, Mirakuru Datuka, Koi Datuka. And I think what's so engaging about it is that you really get a feel a feel for the characters and their emotions and, you know, why they're drawn to each other. And But it still has this kind of fantasy vibe of BL, you know. Mm-hmm. How some BL, it kind of tries for a more realistic approach 
Yamashita yeah. Tomoko's works. Yeah. But hers, they still have this very innocent kind of sweet feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. How about you, Erin? Um, I think it was a really, really difficult question for me to answer for, <laughs> for many reasons. Mainly because um, one different from a lot of other Joshi, I think, because the fact that I don't specifically seek out works or... I, I rather have them brought to me by my best friend who is a, more, a lot more ardent or fan than I am. And what that means is that I get to explore and sort of try out of different things without necessarily ever really getting that deeply into one specific artist. But um. uh, when I started thinking about this question, the first people that I started thinking of were... Incidentally enough, I guess artists who are sometimes kind of excluded from when you when you think about BL as a genre, you think about um, artists who sort of follow along, you know, the different kind of stereotypes or the uh, you know the, the way that all genres have certain rules that they need to follow. And a lot of the artists that I originally fell in love with kind of deviates from that, I guess. You know, you know people like mm-hmm. SM or you know Natsume Ono mm-hmm. and people like who basically want to write stories that just feature, uh, you know, same-sex romance in in one way or another. But after that, because <laughs> that would be a really sort of, you know, the kind of stereotypical elitist response would just be to say like, oh no, I don't read BL as a genre, I just take the uh, the people who have this kind of uh, artistic integrity and who just kind of use those same methods to <laughs> tell their stories which I don't really yeah. believe in because BL as a genre is, you know it has those beautiful works even within those stereotypical confines of that yeah. genre, so I started yeah. thinking about the question from that perspective and um and I guess in that sense, again, I have a lot of works, like separate works that I like, not necessarily specific artists, because I think that they all, even my favorite ones, have things that I don't necessarily always love with, you know, a fervent passion. But the one that I guess that has been the most consistent for me, if that's a good word to describe it, I guess it is Hideyoshiko in many ways because mm-hmm. she has this way of doing um, these stories that are really subtle and uh, that future that, that same realism that Ami was just sort of talking about as well that uh, mm-hmm. is really important for me in, in many fictional works that have this kind of this air of um, realism combined with this kind of dreamlike atmosphere that still manages to, to tell these these stories by having these really tiny details that seemingly don't actually mean anything but they allow the reader this room to insert their own emotional response into it without force feeding it if, if that makes sense I mean because I was yeah, trying yeah. to trying to think about yeah, something that you know um, what's a good word for it um, something that all the the authors or writers that I, I like have in common is, is just the fact that they are subtle in the sense that they allow enough space for the reader to sort of make their own interpretation of the story or, or but as I said, yeah. insert that emotional response into the story, you know, on their own. Yeah. That probably didn't um, make any sense. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that, that makes sense to me because I think to a degree um, there are similarities to what we're looking at. For example, in my case, um, for me, I, I feel so old because you guys gave a little, you know... Uh, quite contemporary authors as your favorite um, and you've been working for the past um, few years but mine is quite an old person for me my <laughs> my my good BL is or my, what I think of when I think of good BL is Yoshinaga Fumi and I also start with what Amy said that to that I my my enjoyment of Yoshinaga Fumi falls in her um, in her I'm just looking at her BL works here and this is one, and these are some of her earlier works as a writer. That she's got the BL basics down. She has the romance, the emotions, the handsome men, the hot sex, and all that. What's not? Yeah. But at the same time, she also has that. She offers that unique perspective. I think if um, first she has that compared to her contemporaries um, at the time, and you can imagine the likes of. Um, uh, Yuki Shimizu and um, 
who else were her contemporaries at that time? The likes of, um, uh, God, um, what you call this? Um, no, God, I should have written down. See, no, I, I had it in my head earlier. Um, okay, this is what I've been the porn stars. Because I, I knew that I forget the, everyone's names. <laughs> I know. Um, the one with the porn stars. Uh, porn star. Uh, yeah, um, a really old story. Um, anyway, like Naono Bora, that's not the porn stars one. It will get to me, I swear to God. It's just slipping my, but my, my, um, Haruo Daiteta. Okay, those are oh. her uh, contemporaries. And you can imagine the visual styles that were present at the time. And hers was a very refreshing art style. And, it, and it's a very unique perspective, you know, she, her works were lacing these realistic homosexual circumstances, you know, within her narrative. Um, she also took note of the context of her characters, you know, when she brought them to France and, or, you know, if, if they're a singer, in the case of Soulfish, or, you know, students, in the case of um, Ichigeme. But at the same time, she also has these pensive and reflective stories. And if and this is going further, more than, you know, the scope of her work, but also her contribution to the genre as well, because she's one of the early ones, or one of the earlier artists who were adapting different and non-conventional art styles and narratives in her work. And, you know, that, that kind of paved the way for the likes of, you know, because she sold so well, I suppose, and, and mm-hmm. managed to work beyond BL, a lot of artists also started to entertain, you know, a lot of publishers, I think, began to entertain that, oh, I guess we can do stories like this. And that, I guess, worked with the likes of, you know, Hideyoshiko someday or Estem someday and all that jazz. And one thing I find interesting is that we have, we in, in our narration of something that is good, we all have this idea that there is some kind of BL convention. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so Amy, on your case, you were saying earlier that there are particular things that you search for in BL. And, um, you know, the things that are, that make it BL. And what are these for you? Um, I suppose for me, it's kind of, uh, it's hard to put into words, but I guess it would be kind of the dreamy quality of it. There's, yeah. there's this yeah. idea, you know, even though it's even, the ones I particularly like are the ones where, you know, the characters are, in fact, gay. And they do mm-hmm. have to deal with, you know, the issues that might arise from their sexuality. But I like when it's handled in a way where it has kind of, like, this underlying feeling of, like, it's totally okay. And, you know, what is going to be the most important is the two characters and their attraction to each other. And, you know, in a yeah. lot of Western style, you know, stories oriented towards same-sex relationships, there's Mm -hmm. a lot more focus on the struggle than there is on, you know, the relationship and the attraction. And I think that's what I like so much about BL, is that it has that kind of dreamy quality where, you know, even if it's realistic, it's still going to have, you know, I don't know, that moe type feel, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that 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 atmosphere that it's a fantasy and all that. What's not? Yeah. Um, how about for you, Erin? What are some things that you th- you know you search for that make you say, ah, this is BL? Yeah, I actually do agree with that assessment, especially the comparison with the sort of more Western um, queer fiction that I've had the privilege of being <laughs> subjected to in my university studies, and uh, as I, as was said. There is often this stress on the whole struggle parts where it's more about having this kind of agenda through the narrative itself rather than actually making Mm. these characters into sort of fleshed out people, like individuals who have their individual emotions and responses because um, I actually, I was thinking about the question of, you know, how we perceive BL possibly differently from Japanese readers and what I wrote down actually applies to this question as well because uh, even though we might have a different sort of cultural background or experiences that resonate differently, 
what we still seek from BL, I think, what we all have in common is the fact that we seek that emotional response and the things that resonate with us on a personal level and that's why I kind of feel like BL is a universal genre um, because the fact that um, we all seek that something that we can read and feel that this is something that I can I can <laughs> live through like passionately these these the feelings of these characters because it focuses on that emotional side of that struggle, even though I don't really like to use the word struggle in this context, because yeah. it, the, the, the whole idea of you know the queer experience in the in the you know the Japanese sphere is very different from the Western sphere, yeah. and um, it really as, is. As, yeah, mm-hmm. and as, as Amy said, it's, it's kind of it has that dreamlike quality in the sense because it's a lot more directly a fantasy, I guess, because the fact that the society yeah. is so different from what it is in the West. But I enjoy. Mm having that element of fancy inserted into the realism because I mean everyone who knows me knows that I I love realism and I stress realism in everything that I write and say and do because the fact that it adds that layer of um, appreciation I guess for that that fantastical quality like the dreamlike part of the stories is heightened by the realism and when you combine them I think there's lots of really really amazing BL stories who that that managed to do that in the sense that the end result is kind of uh, this really peculiar combination of sort of that you, you, you read them and you think to yourself like I know exactly how that feels but there's this second layer of sort of fancy or you know what Ami said about more or just you know your general doki dokiness yeah. that gives you more than just the harsh reality of you know yeah. the queer experience. It gives you like more than yeah. that, and that's something that I don't think that I've seen many other sorts of queer fiction apart from BL have been able to do for me anyway. Yeah, that's that's actually quite true. I've been reading this uh, book wherein they're saying that at the heart of shoujo, which is actually the, the origin of BL to speak. Um, for for listeners who um, probably are not aware of it, that BL is quite rooted in shoujo, and um, you know even when you go online and you start looking at Amazon, and you'll find BL under like a deep nest of shoujo titles, yeah. <laughs> um, and and it's a, it, it's funny because you know you don't see it out in you know out in the open. You know, when you start, when you just type boys love in Amazon and you look at the genres or the categories, it's not exactly in, in its, on its own. Unlike shonen or shoujo, it goes under shoujo and then it's another thing. And they say that with shoujo, that, um, what is most important is that, um, ningen kanke or human relationships, wherein it tries to stress or it tries to focus on that human relationship, the struggles that you guys mentioned, um, because the, in in that human relationship, or we can find you know we can find emotional connection, and you know we create a human uh, a human relationship, a ningen kanke with the characters mm-hmm. while we're reading it, mm. and and I I also think that that is a very powerful part of BL because it's like um, that. That I think, to a degree, makes it uh, as richer as a as a read. Not to say that BL is you know greater than you know its earlier works or whatever, mm-hmm. but if you oppose it to like, let's just say that BL is like an evolution of um, earlier works, you know the yaoi works, wherein it's just you know sex with reckless abandon, <laughs> you know. You know, everybody, I mean, when people always ask me, um, you know, what makes, you know, BL so interesting, it's just your oi. Because, you know, I think all of us have come to that point in our lifetime wherein, um, you know, people talk to us and, you know, like, oh, yeah, I like BL. It's like, what? You like BL? It's BL's yeah. like all the same. And, you know, it's like it gets boring and so on and so forth. It's just all the sex, you know. And that's what's and they come through all the... Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> I know. And it, and that's, that's, a, that's a good thing about it because we're like, yes, it's all the sex, but, you know, if you try to have a closer reading yeah. <laughs> of it, you know. You know, not necessarily close enough that, you know, genitals are in their face, but, you know, it's not <laughs> like there are genitals in there. 
because you know this is all within the realm of fantasy and I think that fantastic element sometimes kind of divorces us from the reality and it becomes very experimental like prior to this I just read um, Showa's Nini no Mori um, uh, and in Nini no Mori uh, Nini's Forest it's basically a bunch of um, this human falling in love with a bunny and a bunny <laughs> falling in love with a frog and it's just like I don't get this I, I don't it's like when I signed up for this I wasn't ready for this like why would a bunny fall in love with a frog right but at the end they had because they had these human human emotions and you know human aspirations it's so cute by the way um you kind of like connect with like yeah yeah this is starting to make sense to me I'm I'm seeing why this bunny is falling in love to this frog and this frog is so cute stalking him every night and and those but the thing is I know the reality of it what it's like you know what the hell right but yeah because it's fantastic and because it has that human emotions I can divorce myself from the reality a bit and put my put my head in that imaginary space where I can just imagine whatever I want and these guys are giving it to me and you know I love him for it and I think that's what yeah I think that's some kind of convention that you know that we all look at in BL is that sometimes when it's too close to reality it becomes quite um, weird or painful mm-hmm to so to speak, and so, so there's that fantastic element to just make it a little more appeasing, I suppose. But going back to Aaron, you mentioned earlier about um, what foreign fans think and what Japanese fans and the connection. Um, I've been I've been in this conversation with Amy before, and I'll just give a brief um, look into it. I've been um, I've been. I've been in the habit of looking at the top um, BL rankings for a couple of years, and um, I was—I remember asking um, Ami this before because um, every year they release this uh, book called Kono BL Gayabai, which is basically a collection of the top BL that are released every year. And usually the ones who reply to this are either um, editors, publishers, um, comic vendors, etc. And they would, you know, put uh, their best titles. Like in 2013, their best titles were um, number one, Sora Tohara by Nakamura Asumiko. And then number two is Yutsu no Asa um, Blue Morning by Dakashoko. And then Number three, Iberko to Buta to Koi to Nantoka, Showa, by Showa. And then Shinjuku Lucky Hall. And, and those are just some of that. That's a top four of 2013. And when I go to 2013, um, I'm sorry, 2012, that was the top four titles of 2012. When I go to, um, Chill Chill, which is a, a website for BL fans, um, and they get to vote on who gets to be the top BL. Um, their number one is Yutsuno Asa by Hidaka Shoko, which is Blue Morning, Night S by Yoneda Ko, um, Udagawa Cho de Mateteyo, and then Sai Zuru uh, Tori wa Habatakunai by Yoneda Ko again, and Castle Mango. And it's quite interesting because um, there's that. Is it is it me or is that these fans, the Japanese fans, have this semblance for pain? Uh. You know, a lot of the a lot of the works that they they choose are quite the painful lot. I was expecting um, that it's going to be quite. Um, you know that they'll, they'll like BL for its fantastic elements and all that. What's not? And then when I look at that, I look at um, an aggregator site to check what were the most popular titles for people who are outside of Japan. And here's the top ones based on views: Super Lovers, Hanawa Sakuka, Kombinikun, Toshimo Furetakunai, and Omairi Desyo, which are like 
5% five of those titles are so happy and sappy. <laughs> and it's like is there do you, I mean do you guys also feel that difference when you when you guys are talking to other fans etc that you know because you guys are exposed to more titles etc that mm, how do we how do we tell you that you know there's more to BL than just um than just your your brand you know like there's more to BL than Unedico it's just <laughs> a brilliant thing i'm not saying i'm not i'm not saying Unedico fans or anything but um it, that's why this that's actually one of the where this conversation started also wherein um we were wondering why why for example our fans feel why do fans feel strongly for this for for Saizuru for example getting licensed vis-a-vis um works that we think are a little happier or something such as Nakamura Asumiko's Sotsugyose or um Dokyusei so and you know the, the attention that they gave you to, to the fact that they even launched like this survey and a campaign to an <laughs> open letter for to the EMI etc you know just to make sure that Saizuru gets done well so yeah what do you guys have any thoughts on that and so on maybe Amy um um maybe it's just the groups that I hang in but oddly enough for me it's almost like it's swapped the people that I see most often maybe it's just because they're the most vocal in English fandom are the ones who Mm. to me always kind of push the dark titles for instance uh Yonah Cole's works um yeah so not all of hers are really so dark but um what's that one with the mouse and the trap I know that one was really uh, popular when I was just yeah. you know getting really deep into BL as a fan base. Um, yeah, the one the one by um the one with the couple who the one of the guy was straight. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, the, the this whole, this guy. Yeah. God, it's got such a long title that I can't remember. <laughs> Both titles. Yeah. It's the cat. Yeah, like, like, yeah. I was on a jumping board, Clark, blah, 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 blah. It's got like <laughs> five million different words. Yeah. Um, By Mizushiro Setona. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that one, I read that one and I enjoyed it, but it was so, I don't know, like depressing? I, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, certain it titles was. where it's like, I'll really enjoy them, but then I'll never ever read them again because I know that it's just like, no thanks. But that that story was just pain. That's just one of those stories that's one of, that's painfully close to reality. Yeah. Even if um, even after the after the second book was published and they kind of have a happy ending, it's mm. one of those. Well, yeah, that's what happens in real life. That's just you know, <laughs> this this guy is trying to be this painful um, melodramatic person and honestly at one point we'll get tired of it so if you really want this to work just stop right yeah <laughs> and it's like and that's it and then why do I give a crack about this why am I so emotionally involved <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I get I get what you're saying yeah. go on um, now I forgot where I was <laughs> <laughs> sorry um but anyway, like yeah, in, whereas the bloggers I follow in Japanese fandom, and then because I'm on Amazon so often ordering my own stuff, and uh, I see, you know, the rankings for what's really selling at any given moment, um, there's a lot of fluffy titles, but I think they kind of get pushed, you know, under the rug for these, like, really yeah. big kind of, I guess, box office type, you know, emotional roller coaster titles yeah um like i do think that japanese fandom as a whole has more of an appreciation for you know the kind of fluffy sweet sappy titles Mm -hmm. um i like i think it's just because japanese fandom you know they kind of go into it 
knowing what BL is. Whereas yeah. you have a very vocal group in English fandom where, you know, they don't, it's almost like they don't realize that BL isn't really about gay men. So yeah. you kind of have them wanting this, like, really kind of dark struggle of, I don't know, like, acceptance and all that, where mm-hmm. you get these fluffy titles where they automatically are like, oh, I like you, and I you like me back, so let's start a relationship. And, you know, it's not really yeah. realistic. And because of that, it gets some backlash, I see a lot in English fandom. You know, like Hoshino Lily's works, for instance. They, uh, you know, you see everyone who's like, oh my god, how could you like that artist? But it's like, that's kind of the whole point of BL, is that it's not really supposed to have that harsh, horrible reality. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I see titles like Saizuru and such catching on very strongly, like having this huge Mm -hmm. backing in English fandom, specifically because they're supposedly more realistic Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. even if you it is popular also in Japanese fandom, it's more mm-hmm. because, you know, they like the emotions of the characters and that kind of thing. Do you have any comments on that, Erin? Yeah, actually, I do, because I have been thinking about the same thing, watching this kind of generation of... Because I have to preface this, preface this by saying that, that the BL sort of fandom, if you can even call it that, or the scene in Finland mm. where I live is rather small, but it has gone through these sort of phases where you can kind of tell what the people are thinking while they progress from one phase to another phase. And the thing mm-hmm. that I'm just talking about, I think, can be summed up in the word sort of self-awareness. That I think that a lot mm-hmm. of BL fans, when they first if they are really young, when they first get into the genre, when they still call it yaoi, then they usually tend to prefer the sort of light-hearted, silly type, you know, shows that are the most well-known. And those are usually mm-hmm. really unrealistic and sort of silly and light-hearted and, you know, that kind, of stu- that kind of stuff. And once they grow up a bit, they start getting this, um, like, that they need to validate their liking of that genre by proving to other people that this genre is po- capable of you know providing things that are really sort of deep and thought provoking <laughs> and that it's not just yes you know, silly, and, and, silly, and silly literary yeah and, yeah and that's that's the kind of stage where people usually do latch on to you know series like you know things written by Yon and Nicole, just to yeah. you know show to other people that look yeah. how credible this genre is look, <laughs> look at how serious these stories are and what kind of happens is that people forget that it's really 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 difficult to pull off that kind of dark and gritty realism and actually have that emotional response that people go into BL for because the thing is that and I know that um, I often sort of maybe it is not that I'm ashamed of saying that one of my favorite um, BL mangaka is Otsuki Mio but I tend to not bring it up because the fact that people usually get that whole sort of elitist vibe about like oh my god how can you like it when it's all just so unrealistic fluffy doki doki <laughs> bullshit and it's like that's exactly the reason why I like yeah. it because it's really difficult to do that doki doki thing and pull it off without it feeling sort of ingenuine because that's the thing that yeah. I or like you've, yeah. something you've read before mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's, it's so easy to do mm-hmm. angst in, in a kind of emotional blackmail kind of way and a lot yes. of those sorts mm-hmm. of gritty and darker stories that I read they they just feel so detached emotionally from anything. It's just like I'm supposed to be impressed by the supposed death in that in those stories. <laughs> but the, the uh-huh. joke is that, like, like we're talking about the fact that it's not really about realism. That the best stories manage to capture the realism without underlining the realism. That the realism comes from those emotions that we all feel, and not about you know, sort of. Um, depressing or dark themes that get thrown on it or lots of violence or lots of you know emotional 
you know, again, emotional blackmail is a good word for this because I've read so yeah. many stories that sort of try to force me into feeling for the characters. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, seriously, it's not <laughs> about how, how much emotional manipulation or how much humiliation you have in your story. It's about how those characters come alive in that story and if, if I can relate to their feelings. And a lot of the time, you know, because I've had this issue with Yonanda Ko that I read those stories and on an objective level, I appreciate what she's doing, but it doesn't resonate with yeah. me. And I know I, I can feel a bit self-conscious about, and you know, going from her to something like Otsukimiya and being like, "Woo, I feel everything <laughs> here." It's, it seems so ridiculous from you know an objective point of view. But having studied lit- literary criticism and English literature in university for six years, I think I'm entitled to you know having an, in- an emotional response and knowing sort of the critical qualities of things and knowing that those two are not mutually exclusive in the sense that you can have works that are fluffy and sort of silly and not artistically what's a good word um ambitious not not artistically ambitious but they're ambitious in that emotional quality that those dark and gritty stories kind of skip out on because that that's the thing that annoys me about so many of those stories that are supposedly credible and supposedly display the sides of BL that makes it stand you know yes. on the same level as any other genres yeah. because they they become so detached and sort of sterile and like they don't really feel like anything and like I said the whole reason why I read BL is to sort of like live vicariously through those characters and you know feel what they feel and that can happen mm-hmm. in so many different ways but I much prefer you know that emotion to come through in the happiness of the characters and not just the angst because you yeah. know reality mm-hmm. is full of so much bullshit I just I'd rather take the happiness yeah. <laughs> they, did, they, they, they did say before that for the for writing in particular it's hardest to write a comedy than it is to write angst because you know angst you just throw the people into a particular circumstance and just you know let them boil and toil and all that let their just let their emotions you know get screwed over and like comedy finding that right moment to make a person laugh is so difficult because it's so circumstances are entirely different um but apart from those yeah i do agree that there's there's a sense of um that that within for this is more particular in English fandom than it is in Japanese fandom because in Japanese fandom it's the critics who love the happy stories. The critics are all about in Kono BL Gayabai, you know, and even when you read Japanese blogs about um, BL, yeah. all of them would have these like, oh my god, it's so sweet. Oh my god, it made me so happy. And I'm just like, I can for you know, I can forget the world for this one minute because. This work had made me so happy, yeah. and I'm happy that it made it. You know, I'm happy that it. The ending was happy that everybody did it. That nobody died at all. And, you know, <laughs> at the at at the same time, you know, uh, the characters were believable and approachable and all that. And, and it was like, wow, the uh, it. And, and, you know, as for me as a foreigner looking into the Japanese fans, like, oh my god, so. This is this is what makes good BL for them, and I look at you know English fandom, and this is not just for you know BL readers, but even for example um, manga critics uh, out there, and their focus on no, you know we have to, you know it's it's like it's like finding Odyssey or something like a great classical work, like it's finding Shakespeare in BL, and like <laughs> no, you know it, it's it's all about it's all about. Um, SM. not 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 to hate on SM, but SM mm-hmm. and Nyonedako yeah. and uh, these are these are and even my favorite Doshinagafumi are considered like stalwarts or like yes. superstars um, of BL fandom and and when and with good reason too, but it it's come to a point where there's some kind of policing in the fandom which I find quite um, quite difficult to get into because. When you have these vocal people who are saying no, 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 it's just you know if you're if you're reading that kind of crap, and you know you're not really getting into SM, I don't get you. We can't be friends. We just you know you do not get that this this potential that BL has and and its achievement and in the likes of me, I, I was telling you guys that to a degree, there's I feel kind of ashamed now reading really. You know, happy, fluffy titles, yeah. and 
and like for me, I feel ashamed in saying sometimes that I'm I'm a big fan of Sekaiichi Hatsukoi, <laughs> and 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 I I love it to a fact that even if it's like I really want to punch people in the face and and all that jazz, um, and it's like come on, just get it together. You've already been having sex. Just admit it. Why do I have to wait ninety <laughs> days until you finally fall in love? Um, it's it's kind of you know the the title for example has received a lot of flack yeah for reason from from a lot of people in fandom for reasons that you know it's that that author in particular Nakamura Shungiku gets a lot of flack for things oh. like yaoi hands oh god um <laughs> for things like yaoi hands for things like um the non-con Mm-hmm. Aspect of her works, um, how forceful she is, and how unrealistic her work <laughs> is, etc., etc. And I'm like, between, I was telling a friend that um, between Sekaiichi Hatsukoi and um, Bakuman by Takeshi Obata, I would sooner believe the manga world of Sekaiichi Hatsukoi because, you know, other titles that talk about manga know how. You know, you know, prove how hellish that that life is. You know mm-hmm. how hellish it is for editors and all that jazz. And you know, Sekaiichi Hatsuko actually explains to you in every chapter that you know this is what we're doing. We're making, we're we're asking for the name, the manuscript, and then we have to put it to editing, etc. And that detail that comes with <laughs> making a comic, you learn it by reading Sekaiichi Hatsuko. And yeah. you don't learn that in in Bakuman. And and they're like. You're choosing a BL title greater than <laughs> Takeshi Obata, and, I'm like, and then suddenly the sense of shame. Wherein, can I, can I just add, add a side note, by the way, because we're talking about you know, the way that we have these these greats and the um, the staples that everyone's supposed to sort of love because they are objectively so great. But have you ever noticed mm. that, uh, or maybe it's just my you know limited perspective, but. The curious thing that I've noticed is that although BL garners so much criticism for its this and that and that is problematic and this is that and that, mm. no one ever really uh-huh. does a really thorough criticism on works like STM or Nakamura Atomic or, you know, the, 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 the authors who are sort of, re- sort of revered as grace because they deviate from certain things but that doesn't mean that they are always objectively you know great either and one of my favorite yeah. things to do is to you know to take works by you know people like SM or Nakamura Azumiko or whoever who I really really do love on one level but I also love picking them apart because it doesn't mean that they're infallible and one of the best yeah. ways to do that is by comparing them with you know, the titles that are sort of looked down upon. Because a lot yeah. of the times the things that those worst titles, quote, you know, quote-unquote, what they do the best is the thing that the great ones sometimes miss out on in their, you know, ambitiousness or the ambition for, you know, mm. to, to deviate sometimes mm-hmm. becomes more important it than the actual, you know, yeah, it compromises yeah. the actual content of that story and because I was, I was, when we were talking about this thing, I mentioned that the main thing for me always is to feel that, you know, that the author really, really loves what they're doing, that they believe in what they're writing and that can mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. anything from, you know, it can be Osukimu's, you know, whatever really, really liquid <laughs> porn that she does but but I just I get that feeling from you know those writers that they believe in what they're doing and it's it's that becomes more important than to be credible and I know that you know obviously that doesn't mean that you know authors like them don't believe what they do but I sometimes when I read those works I get this detachment like this detached feeling from them and Mm -hmm. I would much rather that the fandom and the scene as a whole also drew notice to those that they're not flaws as such but the criticism would extend to those people as well because it's it's not just about Mm -hmm. looking down on things that you find stupid or silly but actually trying to dig through the elements of what make BL good and what are the elements that make it sort of subpar and for me that subparness does not come from the content choices as in I don't care if you want to include SNM or you know Humiliation King or if you want to have you know little kittens who run around and and turn into hot guys and then have sex like I don't care what it is but as long as (laughs) 
there's that element of sort of um, honesty with your audience and honesty on yeah, what yeah. you're doing this and not just, you know, to... Because it's, as again, I, as I said, I'm a lit scholar, so this is the kind of thing that comes with me when I start reading BL, is that I put this whole literary criticism thing into play. And for me, that always extends to even, you know, the authors that are supposedly, or the mangaka who are supposedly, you know, great, whatever they do, because they just, they just are. But you see so mm-hmm. much criticism of all this bullshit, supposedly, like this, all this fluff and stupid things, but you never really see people digging through those great, like great authors. And I just find that really weird. Well, I do. I think Amy and I did this in our blogs, where in we we do spotlights of authors that we, we particularly enjoyed, and you know we write down what we like. You know, we write down what we both. You know, we also kind of like. Mm, okay, this is this is a bit uneasy and so on, but I, I do agree. Um, and 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 I also say it on myself as a as a fault because sometimes when I get so emotionally invested in an author, it's like there's no fault in this author, no matter what she does. Like um, when you were saying that, the first thing that entered my head is Yamashita Tomoko, and I realize. Um, I was arranging my bookshelf and I realized how much of her works I had because <laughs> Amy was fixing her bookshelf the other um, the other day and, and I was like, crap. I look at my bookshelf and like, I have so much work of Yamashita Tomoko. And I didn't really notice it until now that this Yamashita Tomoko is, has, is one of my favorite BL works so she has, she, she really draws on the emotional relationships of the characters and it's, you know, you just get swept by, you know, th- their circumstance and all that. But this girl never writes porn. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> she? Doesn't get get the two guys in bed. She, she, and she's unapologetic by it. She, she write. I think she. I forgot where she wrote. Was it in Dummy BL or in another, in another um, compilation? Where and she's like, I, I don't. I re- she, she admits. That she's really crappy when it comes to to, do, to drawing those scenes. That you know, um, she'd rather just focus on the things that she's good at, and she's really good at that emotional stuff. But it's just mm-hmm. as a reader, I realize that crap, man. I'm getting shortchanged in my being. <laughs> um, I remember that because of that exact reason, a Japanese blogger once was like, "This doesn't even feel like BL." I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um her her recent works though is kind of weird. Well, weird in a good way. I, 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 then again, I'm quite biased. <laughs> um and and for example, I think the one for me that gave a good balance um of something new and fantastic, but at the same time it has that old um that old BL fun feeling and because of this she's become one of my favorite authors is um, Komota Haruko mm. and mm. Um, God this girl I, I have to thank Ami for this because I, I wasn't familiar with her works prior to her prior to reading Ami's blog and when Ami's like oh my god guys Komohara is like <laughs> the best and I was like what the hell is she talking about and I got Itoshino Nekoke my darling my darling kitty my darling kitty hair in English, I think. Um, that's Something weird like that. Kitten hair. <laughs> My darling kitten hair there. Um, and this girl is like, I didn't... It was f- fun and good times for the first two volumes. So that's like uh, the first three years of our... First three years of my involvement with Komota Haruko. And then she gives me this really smart third volume, sort of. Um, Itoshino Nekoke Otaruhen, which is um, their, their story of how they both fell in love in in their hometown, and it's just like crap. <laughs> this girl can, this girl can 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 apparently wield the sword. She can actually stab you with, you know, the swords you know kind of bends like the fake samurai swords and all yeah. that jazz, and actually hit you hard. Where it matters the most, and you're just—I was in tears after reading um, that work, and I was like, "So this is how a BL is like when you've drawn its potential." Wherein 
you know, you've 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 established this fantastic, this happy world, and only to realize that you know you've got this, you know, interesting, painful, complex background at the back, and you're like, what the hell is happening? What the hell is happening? Oh my God! Why are tears falling? And uh, I find that amazing. And interestingly, Komoto Haruko is not popular. Uh, I, with I think, fans. I, I think one of the things that, again, I don't like to make, you know, gross exaggerations about, you know, what mm. kind of people read, what kind of work, but sometimes it mm. does kind of feel like you need a certain life experience to appreciate some of the more bittersweet and subtle things that certain writers do. Like, like you mm-hmm. understand why they are painful because the fact that they are not outright dramatic or heavy-handed to you, but because you might have lived through situations like that or been in those situations mm-hmm. where the bittersweetness and the pain comes from knowing that this is just how life is. And that's one of the reasons why I will... <laughs> I will probably go go to the grave with with uh, and Sotsugyose by Nakamura Asumiko because that is the series that I think also draws on the biggest potential of BL that it does their whole you know teenage school romance thing but what it does it with is the sort of constant underlying element of change that looms in the background that you know you know that you can't just sort of completely douse yourself in the fantasy romance elements of it that you know that there might be something darker in the background but it doesn't materialize it never materializes it's just but knowing that it exists there on on you know the level of realism because Nakamura Asumiki is obviously really really aware of this but she plays with those tropes and she sort of again as I mentioned before letting the reader sort of fill in the emotional response you know between the lines and not just you know saying outright what you should or should not feel while reading it is that it creates this really really fascinating combination of bittersweetness where you sort of expect things to maybe not be perfect because you know you've lived through those teenage years and you know what it's like to have your first love and you know that it's never perfect and she takes that into account and it's not perfect but it's also has that fantasy element where it can be perfect without being perfect if that makes sense that it can be happy yeah. even if it's not completely happiness all the time and that's one of the things that um, series like hers really really sort of do well by drawing on the strengths of the genre of being that sort of fluffy and silly you know teenage boys you know liking each other kind of thing but she's not the only one who does that and yeah. that's kind of one of the reasons why I, I don't understand why people sort of get so fixated on just, you know, one or two authors when they could have those same elements and move past that and find those same bittersweet feelings in many other writers like Kumoto Haruko because she does that really mm-hmm. well as well. Yeah. Or Takarai Rihito. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm quite surprised that, especially after the ending of... Nan- um, Hananomizu uh, no Shiro. I'm not. I'm not sure if I said that right. And uh, Hananomi Akode. That there was there wasn't a lot of fanfare, at, at least uh, with with foreign fans, after finishing it. And it's like, but she also has that great, that interesting quality of you know, um, drawing something unique. Out of you know a part of a familiar trope, and I think Amy, you were saying about this um, about how even if they have particular tropes, they still pull it off differently. Something like that. Would you like to expound on that? Um. Yeah. Um. One thing I like about BL, because you know everyone's always like, "Oh, how could you possibly like that genre? It's all the same, all the yeah. same trope." Mm. But, you know, every artist has their own spin to it. I mean, um, I always forget her name. The one artist who drew that Wolf Mountain thing. Ah, Naonobora. Yeah. Naonobora. Um, for instance, you know, she, she has the couples that aren't reversible, but she kind, nonetheless, she puts her own spin on it, and she always puts the one you, you know, you least expect. Still coming from yeah. her, you expect it, but she always puts, you know, the older guy on the bottom or the taller guy, or 
the more feminine one yeah. will pop. Um, it's just stuff like that where they each have their own way of going about the conventions of BL. That's why, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's so many artists and everyone focuses on this small handful. But mm-hmm. really, everyone decides to do it differently. Like Anya Yuiji, yeah. for instance, while in her actual works, she'll mostly do them non-reversible. But then she releases all these doujinshi of all the couples in completely different, you know, ways of their relationship. True, true. Put it simply is that we're just actually at the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think it, uh, Ami and I are coming from um, a perspective of BL fans who are reading the Japanese texts. And mm-hmm. every month we're overwhelmed by <laughs> what are we going to buy? Because there's just a lot. There's and too much. Yeah, they're all just like waiting for these greats. It's like waiting for Shakespeare or J.K. Rowling to put up, you know, um, a new work. And it's like, no, it's okay. There's just a lot of new things that are happening and the genre itself is quite diverse. Um, Yeah, the hardest part is we don't have it in English. And I think publishers, for example, find it very difficult to catch up with fandom space, more so licensing the titles that are just you know um, waiting to be licensed and to be tapped by fans and like one of the difficult things that I have um, as because I read it in Japanese and um, when I read about the BL I, I love, for example, um, I read Smells Like Green Spirit last year and I was so in love with the title. And and the hardest part was like, people were like, but you read this in Japanese. Can How do we read it? And at the oh. time, nobody nobody scanlated it or whatever. And it's it seems to be outside of the scanlation radar because the first few scenes were really uncomfortable because it involves bullying and it involves bullying and had a bit of blood in it. And I think a lot of fans are like, okay, we don't like violence in our BL, which is interesting because they they love um, Yonedako and you know, that's kind of I'm not I'm not generalizing all the fans, but it's I just find it interesting that you have this one side of fandom, BL fandom in English are saying, um we don't like non-con. We don't like violence in BL. We don't like all these un, 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 unperpetrated uh, violence and so on and so forth. And yet, one of the most popular titles in BL is actually this one, Saizuru Tori wa Habatakunai, where you have gangsters, you have you know <laughs> people punching each other, and and guy who's you know happy with being raped the entire time uh. and it's and it's not being raped uh, I think no it's he, he's like he's fine he, he's, he's fine having sex without abandon that's I think that's a better <laughs> way to put it um, but um, but I forget the name of the guy but he he won like he won like the big the west of this year in Konabiel Gayabai like ah no he he won Best Uke. Uh, Yashiro. Am I right? Possibly. Anyway. Yeah. Um, wherein he's, uh, you know, he's like the best Uke. Why? Because he's happy to be, you know, sexually abused by all of these um, people before him. And now you have this guy who's like his bodyguard and like he's fine with being, you know, it, it's, it's a complex sexual thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's funny because for for the same reasons that they don't like Sekaichi Hatsukoi, here they are quite protective of this particular title because it's supposed to be a literary grade. But I just find it interesting. <laughs> yeah. Not not to say that it's bad, but it's it's quite an interesting response mm. um, to to fandom. And but yeah, there's more titles out there. Uh, we wish I, I think all of us. Ami included and um, Aaron included all both wish that everyone could have a chance to read it. Um, I do have friends who buy. <laughs> like um, I have a friend who's a big fan of Showa, but because Showa doesn't get licensed, she ends up still buying it and appreciating it for the pictures. Oh. <laughs> and 
and I think we all started there until we yeah. got frustrated. We got frustrated to a point where, and God damn it, I just I just need to read it. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, but hopefully, um, a lot of people are taking measures also to inform publishers what to license, what not to license, and the likes of Sublime have been. Um, you know, they they hear people out in Twitter. I'm not sure about how DMG or DMP goes through it, but they also have measures or ways in which they gauge fandom's response. For example, I think that's the number one reason why Sublime and ended up getting Night S by Yunedako. Um I I don't know why they got Saizuru, but I perhaps there are reasons. Um any last-minute thoughts just to wrap up today's conversations, Erin? Um, well, my, my the thing that I was thinking about while listening to you um, was just that the irony of, you know, the concept of the greats and then the works that are not so great, supposedly, or was it, what was the word, more, more disappointing works, what was the thing that was said oh, on, yeah. on that Tumblr promoting, you yeah. know, the call. And the irony about that thing is that how are you ever supposed to even know what makes the great so great if you haven't got the experience to sample through all the other works and compare and contrast and criticize? I mean, yeah. when I say criticize, I don't mean like just, you know, just bad mouth things, but just pick things apart and see what they, you know, what makes them them and what they consist of. And if you never read yeah. through a lot of other things, you won't even know what makes them so exceptional. And that is why I find it really sort of counterproductive to not promote diversity within the fandom, as in to just get people to read everything. I mean, not everyone's going to like, like everything, and not everyone's going to have the same preferences. But that's why sampling is so important, why just throwing yourself out there and allowing yourself to enjoy the stupid and the fluff, even, and you know, some of the occasional angst is good also to just appreciate you know and find mm. the titles that resonate with you on that you know emotional level that we all come to for you know in BL mm-hmm. yeah um Amy um well pretty much just what she said I wish that everyone would just be a bit more open about trying mm. various different titles various different artists because like we were saying before, um, you know, every artist, like, almost every BL is going to have, you know, the same tropes and the same this or the same that. It's kind of, That's what happens when you have a whole genre, you know, united by just one concept. Um, yeah. But every artist has their own spin. Every artist has their own way of, like, putting their characters out there. They have their own way of displaying the feelings you know you have artists who are more into the sexual aspect of the genre and then you have artists who are more into the angst or more into like the sincerity of the feelings when you fall in love Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i think there's really something out there for everyone so it's kind of a shame that everyone always focuses on this very small handful of artists and very small handful of titles because you're really missing out you know yeah yeah, yeah and, that's that's quite true. Go and I think, yeah. I think the point is that you can and you should enjoy the greats because they're usually the greats for a good reason. But like I said, when I first got into BL, I would be out there raving about things like SM because I do love SM. But by sampling and going through different writers and different stories, I found the, the types that resonate with me personally. And to me, that is more important than being objectively having objectively credible taste. <laughs> So thank you so much to Amy and Erin for joining me in this podcast. I have nothing but gratitude to you ladies. Your insights were intelligent, amusing, and fascinating, and it shows how BL genre can be really sophisticated and complex given the various factors we have raised when trying to identify what makes BL beautiful. Perhaps this is what Alan McKee is trying to say. Many of us have been educated on the greatness of culture, focusing mostly on high art and classical literature. And we often disregard these accessible forms of culture, from romance novels, you know, and soap operas. When looking closer to our world of Japanese anime and manga, we're dissing the likes of shoujo, ladies, and even BL manga for their apparent, quote-unquote, lack of finesse and sophistication. 
that these works have no critical weight when in fact, as Amy, Erin, and myself have exercised in the past are that there is sophistication in BL and we as fans and readers can identify these values without having to call you know, big literary critics like Harold Bloom or even Jacques Derrida on how brilliant these works are. The exercise of evaluating these texts, identifying what is good and what is bad, whether it's BL or shoujo, and the fact that as a fandom we are communicating and assessing these evaluative systems, signifies the complexity of the genre and the culture. It refutes the idea that BL is nothing but shameless boy bonking. Well, it is, and a whole lot more. In having done this exercise, we have also noticed the downside of these evaluative systems. In our quest as a fandom to put forward the greatness of BL, we have also developed a sense of elitism within the fandom and the genre. Rather than recognizing the beauty and the differences of all of these BL titles, we are putting particular authors on a pedestal, which, you know, it's it's not bad. I think it's okay. They deserve all the attention. But at the same time, we tend to dismiss the rest of the genre as pastiche because they do not match the greatness of the other authors. And this is why it becomes difficult, because it develops a sense of shame in reading other texts. And it makes me think, is it even proper for us to feel shame in something we all love anyway? Why should we as BL fans feel ashamed in reading a fluffy, waku-waku, toki-toki romance? You know, why can't we enjoy that? Why are we paying attention to some authors when in fact there's also a larger world of BL out there? And I guess this reflects our youth when it comes to fandom. Unlike Japan that has 40 years of BL history behind them, where its readers are deeply immersed in the culture and the language, we fans outside of Japan, on the other hand, have been exposed to this genre possibly only in the last 10 or so years. And we're only grappling with the language and the culture now. And we take what we can get from fans to engage with this culture and share it to us. We still have a long way to go. And, you know, we're also coming from different points in our histories and in our experience. You know, some of us are older readers, some of us are younger readers and all that jazz. And I think as a young community, we should exercise a particular openness to the genre and appreciate how complex and diverse it is without exercising elitism and be dismissive of other people's interests or tastes. And while I speak of this in BL alone, I think it's quite true for everything in life as well. I understand that it's all just words and I'm like being a bit of a sentimental old hag here, but I think it's something that we Fujoshi, Fudanshi, fans of BL, manga in general, and so on, should think about. And at least for this 801 week, it's something as we BL fans should consider. So... All my thanks to Amy and Arian for chiming in today and to you as well for listening to our podcast. Our podcast is available in iTunes as well. So please subscribe in our iTunes page or if not, you can subscribe to the RSS feed for this particular podcast for FujoshiCast. If you have any comments about the show, please leave a comment in the page or email me. You know, Tell me your thoughts and I'll be happy to discuss it with you. And I'm... You know, if you also want to, you know, other topics or ideas to that you want us to discuss with here in Fujoshi Cast, just please tell me. And there you go. Enjoy the rest of Yaoi no Hi. Read all the BL that you want. Okay, don't feel ashamed about reading it and so on. Even if when you're in the train, I don't know. <laughs> I tend to have the giggles when I read BL in the train. But wherever you are, read BL, enjoy BL, have fun, and have a nice day.